All right, well, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 7. So we're down to one chapter. So we're two-thirds of the way through the Sermon on the Mount. And it's only taken us, you know, 12 weeks to get through the (laughs) two-thirds. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. (laughs) All right. So um, so last week we talked about don't being anxious. So we're going to continue to kind of focus on our attitude in the Sermon on the Mount. And so starting in verse 7, we see Jesus' don't judge. And so this is the, you know, we talked about this before, this is the popular debate always here among church people is, are we allowed to judge others or not? You know, and so, (laughs) and so really, um, it really depends on what we define to be judging. Uh, How do we define judgment? And so, uh, I think as most people think about it, um, Scripture is pretty clear that no, we're not allowed to judge. Um, that doesn't mean we are free from accountability. Um, that doesn't mean we are free from um, truth, per se. However, uh, I think Jesus would have a pretty strong uh, statement on the way we express truth to other people in today's age. And so I think what we're going to see from this Scripture is really when we're talking about um, judgment or, you know, I need to tell this person what they're doing wrong, um, that really there's no okay way to do that outside of a relationship with that other person. Um, That when it comes to the relationship, and really it boils down to how does God work? Um, So what do you think is more powerful, um, your words or the conviction of the Holy Spirit? And so, so many times we want to take over for the Holy Spirit and we want to go, I'll convict for you. It's okay. And so uh, a way, uh, I was watching a sermon by uh, Tim Mackey, who does the Bible Project. And the way he explained it is often um, our correction um, or our wanting to tell people the truth is essentially, he said, could be described as we're standing in a room and we feel like we've got Jesus on our side. So we're standing next to Jesus and we go, Jesus, will you look at this person? And we expect Jesus to respond, I know, I can't believe it either. You know, (laughs) that's kind of the attitude that we have towards other people. And that's our truth telling that we want to do. That's our correction that we want to bring is, um, Jesus, will you, you know, obviously you're on my side of this. And, you know, you can see how they're screwing things up. And so uh, I think as we look at this at at what Jesus is saying, that he's going to have some pretty strong words for that. So we're going to kind of read the section as a whole, and then we will kind of go break it down piece by piece and look at what he's saying, Um, especially when it comes to this last part of this verse, uh, because when you read through it, you're kind of like, what does that have to do with judgment? So, there we go, I just had to turn the clicker on. All right, judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. 
And so as we kind of look at this, um, I'm going to break it down into three parts and kind of talk about it. Um, but what I want us to think about as we go through this, Jesus' whole purpose of this is he's getting apart um, to, you know, to the people there that it's not their role to judge others. Um, that's not reserved for them. And so with each part as we look at that, even at the end where he talks about dogs and pigs, we have to remember what is Jesus talking about. Because if we don't remember what he's talking about, we can run away with all sorts of meanings for that last verse about dogs and pigs that have nothing to do with what he's talking about um, in this. So remember, context is king when we're trying to translate scripture, figure out what Jesus is saying. And sometimes we can get too far. Um, and so Jesus teaches in um, parables and he teaches in allegories. So the idea with a parable is I'm going to tell a story and I'm trying to get, a, I'm trying to get a, across to you one main point with this parable of a story. And allegory is when I tell a story and every part of that means something, you know. So every part of that is someone sitting here or something happening. And so too often we take parables and we make them allegories. And so a good example of this is um, um, the parable um, of the prodigal son. And so we often tend to take that parable and we try to assign meaning to every little piece of that parable. And we try to, we try to make, you know, this is an example of this, this is an example of this. Is an, and so we're trying to make a parable an allegory. And that's not the way Jesus intends it. Jesus intends it on its face value because we can look at the parables around it. So he tells the parable of the lost sheep, the lost coin. And so the owner's really happy to find the sheep. The owner's really happy to find the coin. So the purpose of the story of the prodigal son, that parable is the father's really happy to have the son back. And so we can read way more into it than that and tend to make it something, say something that Jesus is not saying in that, in that uh, metaphor or in that uh, parable. And so um, with this, I think the same thing holds true to this. Um, we can make the dogs and pigs an allegory and take it further than what Jesus is intending to teach here. So we're going to look at it as a parable kind of in what Jesus is saying. Um, so Jesus says, first, judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. Uh, so we've already talked in most of the things with the Sermon on the Mount. Um, kind of what it boils down to is that one, what is in our heart matters more to God than what we say with our mouths. Um, and two, it's about grace. It's about grace. It's about grace. It's about grace. And so, so often um, <laughs> when we try to move in judgment, um, we are not God. And so, so many times I, I think we look at things Jesus did and we go, okay, Jesus is the perfect model for us, which he is our model. And we try to go, well, Jesus got mad and flipped tables. That means I can get mad and flip tables where Jesus knew what's in the Pharisee's heart. So that means I, you know, when God speaks to me, I must know what's in other people's heart. And so what I want to tell you is we can go too far with the I get to be like Jesus because ultimately you are not Jesus. I am not Jesus. Um, so I want to move in grace and mercy like Jesus, but I don't have the ability to move in judgment like Jesus because I don't have the connection with the Father that Jesus had. I'm thankful for the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit brings, but that does not mean I have the exact same connection to the Father that Jesus had. And if we say we do, 
um, then we tend to prove ourselves liars with our actions. Um, if we had the same level of connection that Jesus had, we'd be able to walk in the perfect nature of God, which none of us so far have been able to walk in. Um, and so um, by our very own actions, we prove that we don't have that level of authority. We don't have that level of connection. And so I think when we say, well, Jesus flipped tables and Jesus judged people's hearts, so I get to, you know, you're, you're trying to walk in an authority. Um, I, I, I'd be trying to walk in authority that my actions have proved I don't have that authority, so I can't walk in that. Um, so one, we have to be careful with that. But as Jesus states very clearly here, when we move to judge, and so the Greek word for judge really just means that, um, you know, very, you know, a lot of times we talk about Greek words get more complicated than English words. This one doesn't. It's just, it means to judge. It means to decide between two things. Um, it can also mean to condemn. And so a lot of times when we think of judge or judgment, that's really the word that, uh, that we're thinking of is actually condemn. Because I've, I have not seen a case yet where we see something, you know, someone doing something good, and we go, I judge them, they're doing a really good job. You know, that's, that's not, you know, so no, normal time when we think of, you know, I need to tell them this, it's not, hey, that was awesome, I really liked what you did there, but it's like, hey, you're doing this wrong. And so when we use the term judgment for us, at least in our culture, it almost always means we're condemning someone in some way. And so we maybe would go, well, I don't mean it that harsh, but we do. Uh, when we clearly say, you're wrong, I'm right, the way you're doing it is wrong, the way I would do it is right, that is, we're bringing condemnation. We're going, I've judged and found you lacking in this area. And so when we talk about judgment, um, I just want us to talk about the way we actually use it. And so sometimes, you know, we have this natural thing where um, I will always give myself the benefit of the doubt. My intentions are always pure, my motives are always good. You know, maybe my words didn't come across right. Maybe I stumbled a little bit, but my heart was pure. You know, everyone should know my heart. You know, whereas when someone else does something and it's like, man, they are just the meanest person. Um, and then we have this thing built up where, you know, when someone doesn't hold the door open for you, see, that's, the, that's, the, that's them being, they have something against me. And maybe they just really needed to get in and go to the bathroom or something. But we tend to take this view of everything I do is with pure motives, everything the other person does is with bad motives. And so uh, the first thing that we look at when we talk about judgment is the idea is I cannot, I cannot pronounce judgment on someone without separating myself from them. The only way I can pronounce judgment is to have an us and a them. Um, so the minute I pass judgment, I've now made a separator between, you know, myself and the person passing judgment. I'm not on the side of good they're automatically on the side of evil, or they wouldn't have done that, you know. And so um, I, I think it's helpful sometimes um, for us to take our, you know, our habits and our tendencies and push them um, to their end, basically, exaggerate them a little bit, because sometimes I think we see them more clearly if we exaggerate, um, because a lot of times I would say, well, I wasn't trying to condemn them, you know, I just want what's best for them, I want them to you know, to do the right thing to behave, um, but generally the way we approach those things, if we exaggerate them a little bit, we'll see that, oh man, it doesn't come across that cleanly. It doesn't come across that way. And so I love the way Jesus puts it, you know, you know, don't judge because if you do, 
you will be judged in the same manner. And so when we push it to that extreme, we, that instantly turns a light and goes, oh man, so <laughs> I'm willing to cut myself the benefit of the doubt, but I'm not willing to cut anyone else that. And Jesus says, well, that's not the way the kingdom operates. That's not the way the heart of God operates. Uh, we don't expect God to treat us that way. We talk about his grace and his mercy for us all the time. Um, so why can't we have that same grace and mercy for someone else? And so when we look at this, you know, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Um, and so uh, I don't think this is going to be some cosmic meter when we get to heaven and Jesus is going to go, you fell at like a 5.3 on the judgment scale. So I'm judging you on a 5.3. You know, I, I don't think it's that exact. I, I, I think he's kind of using a story a metaphor here to say, um, you know, when we really have the heart of God, mercy and grace flows through us. So when we really know the Father and we really understand the amount of grace that we've been given, it's easy to extend that grace to someone else. Because part of believing in grace is, is the understanding that I needed grace. And so I can't really full-heartedly believe in the grace of Jesus Christ without going, I had to have that. I was lacking. I, I was utterly contemptible before God, but the, the blood of Jesus, that has forgiven me so I can stand before God now. So I've been extended grace. I've been given something I didn't deserve. And so for us to really understand grace is to understand that we don't deserve it. But the minute I start passing judgment on someone, I've made an evaluation in my mind of I'm better than they are. I know better than they know. And so, so many times when we look at the world, Jesus continually looked at the world and said, they're going to be a stumbling block. You know, so Jesus will be a stumbling block to them because they're not going to know. You know, so so many times he talks to the disciples in a way of, you know, they may not believe, and that's okay. Don't get caught up in that. Um, but yet, as a church, we tend to really get caught up in that. And we really want people not just to believe in Jesus, but we want people to act the way we want them to act. And so we need to remember when we want to pronounce judgment, when we want to bring truth or correction to understand, you know, we need to <laughs> remember Jesus' words of, the measure that you use will be, you know, you'll be measured with. Jesus takes it a step further uh, in verse 3. He says, why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. And so... Once again, um, sometimes Jesus used absurdities to kind of get people's attention. And so a lot of times we take things like, you know, take the log out of your own eye and we try to explain it away. Well, what he's really saying is, or we take the, uh, it's easier for, uh, you know, uh, a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to get into heaven. I've heard that explained of, well, there's this little gate called the eye of a needle and they had to take stuff off the camel. No, 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 no. Jesus is being literal there. You know, that gate didn't exist in the time of Jesus. So he's literally talking about it's easier for, you know, a camel to go through the eye of a needle, you know, than for a rich man. And so he's, he's being funny. 
you know, he, and so this is another time where Jesus is trying to be funny. Uh, and in our, in our today's culture where we have to exact everything, you know, we, we miss the humor in it of, you know, Jesus saying like, you know, picture the absurd cartoon, you know, Daffy Duck, Donald Duck, you know, large beam coming out of someone's eye and then them trying to direct how other people are acting. Uh, that's the absurdity that Jesus is getting at here. That we, uh, we so often, once again, we want to use this measure because we think we have it all figured out. So I'm the authority on the, the measure and Jesus is pointing out it's absurd for you to think that way because you do not have it all figured out. Um, and so Michelle and I have been talking about this idea of truth lately. And so, so often I, I, you know, this idea of like, well, we need to preach the truth. We need to say the truth. And lately I've been like, well, who's truth? You know, if I listen to the fundamentalist, you know, then the truth of the Bible is women must to submit to men in every aspect of life in the church, outside of the church. It doesn't matter. You know, if I listen to some of the charismatic groups, then someone with a much, enough anointing is on the same level of scripture and we need to just believe whatever they say. And so, once again, when we come to the word of God, whose truth are we talking about? Because this group and this group can interpret the scripture wildly different and use it um, to an end that I look at and say, I don't think that's Christ-like. And so, it's not enough for us just to say, well, we need, to, we need the truth, you know, because what, what is the truth? Um, our interpretation is often relative to our experience and our understanding and we're limited. And so instead, I think what we need is we need grace. Uh, we need grace. Because so often when we say um, the truth, we, we forget that we are limited in our understanding. We have the log in our eye trying to tell our brothers and sisters what is true. Um, and so I have no doubt, no doubt I will get to heaven and things that I believed wholeheartedly will probably not be true at all. Uh, I, I know I'm thankful that in our 14 years in, in, in ministry, you know, things I held to as the gospel truth at the beginning of our ministry, um, I've, you know, Jesus has softened me on um, as we've had experiences, as we've walked through, as we've looked at scripture in different lights. And so I always want to be willing to, to grow. I always want to be willing to, to change as experience changes as the leader. Does that mean I'm abandoning scripture? No, no. Scripture is still my foundation but I'm open to the understanding that I'm not the authority on Scripture. Um, and so I need to be willing each time I go to Scripture to let Scripture be the authority on Scripture. Um, does that mean I'm going to be challenged in some ways? Does that mean I'm going to be uncomfortable in some ways? Does that mean I'm going to stand in front of y'all and say, like, well, I don't really know. You know, could mean that, it could not. Um, yeah. And so generally in our culture, we're, we're kind of uncomfortable with that. You know, because there's got to be an absolute right way to do things, right? There's got to be an absolute, this is the way it is. And most of the time when we come to Scripture, there's not as many absolutes as we think. Um, we may interpret Scripture as an absolute, but there's plenty of other groups that honestly come to the Scripture and come away with something very different. So when we look at women in ministry, you know, we fall into the line of, I believe it's, you know, women and, and men are made equal in, in God and Christ. And that it's every, as much of a right for a woman to lead the church as a man to lead the church. And in fact, I think we should lead it together because that's probably better for everybody. Um, but there are plenty of other groups. You know, if you looked in East Texas, that belief that we have is a very minority belief. Um, and so as we look at scripture, we have to understand um, 
that idea that I'm going to beat you over the head with my truth, even if we believe it's based on Scripture, isn't the intent of what Jesus is getting at. He's saying, whoa, 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 before you go trying to pick out the specs and the way everyone else is doing things, take care of the log in your own eye. And so that's not a, <laughs> that's not a comfortable thing um, because we want to know we're doing the right thing. And we're doing it the way we do it because we believe that's the way God wants us to do it. And, and it absolutely is. Um, but we have to make room and we have to understand we get things wrong all the time. Um, we've obviously gotten things wrong over the last four or five years. Uh, we wouldn't be where we're at today if we hadn't gotten things wrong over the last four or five years. And so how do we learn from that? Do we take the simple learning, the simple lesson, as that's not the way to do it, we've got the right way to do it now? Or do we take the harder lesson of we are flawed individuals and we could be doing it wrong right now? So instead of focusing on I always have to be right, why don't I focus on I need to extend grace? I need to extend grace. And obviously, we don't always agree on the way we want to go with the church um, amongst leadership. You know, we're all friends. We're all close. We don't always see things the same way. That's okay. And that's okay. As long as we're willing to come together and talk it out and talk about it, and we're going to make mistakes, and we're going to grow from their mistakes. Um, but when we start crossing over into judgment is when we're not willing to listen to each other and we're not willing to forgive and interact with each other. That's when we cross over into judgment. And so as we look at this, I love that last little part where it says, you hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So I love this. Jesus doesn't go, the speck doesn't exist. You know, he doesn't say, you know, they're really okay. You're making too big of a deal at it. You know, he goes, no, there's a speck in their eye. That's not the problem. And so, so many times we may go, but yeah, Paul, but I'm really right. This is really a gospel issue. This is really a problem. And I would go, but that doesn't change what he's saying. He doesn't say there's not problems with the way other people do things. He says the problem is we think we get to be the one to correct everything. And that's not our role. That's not our job. That's not how we're meant to live and breathe and act as believers in Christ. And so remember the word hypocrite there uh, means we're an actor performing for an audience. Um, so uh, really I want us to think about that as, especially in this frame right here, is being unauthentic. Uh, we're trying to be someone that we're not. We're trying to be more than we really are. Um, and so when we look at this, to me this all boils down to humility. Um, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to. Um, and so as we come to this, with this idea of not being a hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to, to take the speck out of your brother's eye. And so to me what this gets down to is there's a fine line of distinction between judgment and correction. And that fine line is relationship, is relationship. Um, and so um, I'm thankful that I have people close enough to me to go, you're off here. And I may look at them dead in the face and go, you're wrong. I'm not. I'm good. Um, and that may be the way it stays, and we may argue back and forth after that. And, uh, but that's okay because it doesn't break relationship. 
Um, if your correction breaks relationship, then you're probably doing it wrong um, because it means one of two things. Um, either you're, you're harsh, um, you're not doing it in love, or it means you didn't have a relationship to begin with. And I think that's really the ultimate thing. So many times um, we have disagreements and it really brings to the surface whether there was a true relationship there or not. Because disagreement doesn't break relationship. Um, now, so many times we think we have relationship in the church and what we have is a casual acquaintance. You know, we have someone we see on Sundays, how you doing? You know, be blessed, you be blessed, have a great week. And that's, that's the whole entirety of the relationship. And that's, that's not a true, you know, relationship. And so, um, so many times, Michelle can say something to me um, that I would never let Jeff say to me. Why? Because we have a different relationship. We have a different relationship. Sometimes I'll let Jeff say things to me. Michelle can't say to me. Why? Because we have a different relationship. <laughs> we have a different level of relationship. And so, as we look at this, um, so many times, um, judgment causes us to look out instead of in. And really the whole point of all this is <laughs> we need to constantly be looking in, not out. Uh, we need to constantly be looking in at our own mess, our own struggle, our own problem. And if we did that on a consistent basis, I think we would notice less what everyone else is doing. Um, if, we were, if we were as concerned about our own heart and what's going on inside of us as we were concerned with other people's hearts, then we would spend way more time taking the log out of our own eye that we wouldn't really even notice the speck in someone else's because we'd be looking at the log in our own eye. Uh, <laughs> because let's not mistake it, as Jesus points out, we all have that log. We all have those areas that we still need to work on. And so are we more concerned with our heart versus other people's hearts? And so there may be times... Um, and so I, I love this. When you look at Jesus, when you look at Jesus, um, there's, there's really two times where Jesus corrected people, like where he brought hard truth that corrected. And one, and, and both of these times, they came to him. And one is the Pharisees and Sadducees, and we don't want to be in that group. And two is when the disciples come to him with questions. When the disciples come to him with questions, you know, Jesus, can we sit at the right hand of your throne when you get to heaven? You know, when the disciples come to Jesus with question, he speaks to their heart. The rich young, ruler, rich young ruler, Jesus, what do I need to do to follow you? You know, so these guys come to him with questions, and he speaks to the heart. That may be hard to hear. Um, and then there's times where the Pharisees come against Jesus in a public way, and he calls them out for where their heart really is. Those are the two times that Jesus really speaks against individuals, where he brings correction, he brings truth. That's not in a large-scale parable sermon sort of way. Um, and so when we look at that, look at Paul, the Apostle Paul. Um, so the early church, they're dealing with um, crazy perse persecution from the Jews. They're dealing with crazy persecution from the Roman government. Um, and you want to talk about the Roman government, our government's got nothing on the Roman government. Um, I'm not even going to go into the sins of the Roman government. Um, do we see Paul, James, Peter, John, any of them correcting the actions of the Roman government? Ne never once. Not once. What do we see them do? Pray for your leaders. Uh, you know, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Uh, and we see them 
you know, don't return evil for evil. Um, keep your conduct among the Gentiles so honorable that when they look at you, you know, they realize the goodness of God. And, and so when we look at these things, they don't go bring correction to anybody that they don't have relationship with. When do we see Paul bring correction? Now we see John Mark. He felt John Mark was a little flaky, so this was someone he traveled with. We see him and Peter get into a little scuffle because they're eating, they're fellowshipping and eating together, and Peter's doing something that's leaving out part of the church. And so as we look at this, most of the time where Paul brings correction um, directly, you know, when he, when, he, when he talks about sexual immorality, he's talking about there's a case in the church where a son is actively having a relationship with his stepmother with the father still in the picture. You know, and he's going like, whoa, 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 we can't have that in the church. You know, we need to bring it to him, and then we need to separate fellowship. So when he brings correction, it's someone he is in relationship with, and most of the time, he only is bringing correction directly to a person when it endangers the fellowship of the body. Yeah. And so if we started putting that kind of lens on it, is do I have a direct relationship with a person and are they directly endangering the fellowship of our local church body by what they're doing? How many times would we bring correction? Hardly ever. If I'm really thinking about our last, you know, eight years together in ministry, that would rarely actually be the case for so often the issues I have that drive me crazy and I want to pass judgment and I want to speak into um, and so when we really look at that, once again, I come back to this idea, do I want people to behave or would I rather them know Jesus? So often we've surrendered as a church the knowing Jesus part and we just want people to do what we think is right. So I'll take a morally upright country rather than a country that follows Jesus. Um, and the whole crux of that issue is we spend too much time focused on outside of us than inside of us. We spend too much time focused on the other than the interior. And so if we took care of the speck in our, or the log in our own eye, that would consume our time. You know, if I took care of what God has directly given me, so I work on myself and I work on being a good husband and a good father, um, that would consume most of my time, and I wouldn't have time to worry about what other people are doing. Uh, and so many times, um, it's so easy to pass judgment because, because we've surrendered this idea of true relationships. We have so few true relationships anymore um, because they take time, they take effort. Uh, we have too many social media relationships and not enough real relationships. Um, and so that tanks the way we share the gospel. Uh, so the last thing, what, what do we make of this? Do not give dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before pigs lest they, unless they trample them under, underfoot and turn to attack you and turn to attack. So what does this have to do with, with judging others? Um, and so really, I, I think what Jesus is getting at is uh, really the, the moral of this story is um, what do you find as valuable? And so in the story, pearls are a valuable thing to us. Do dogs and pigs care about pearls? No. I would hold a, a pearl in front of our dog and he would sniff it 
realize it's not food, and he'd be very uninterested with it. Um, whereas to us, that's a, an extremely valuable piece of jewelry that's worth, you know, a, a real authentic one would be worth hundreds of dollars. You know? And so the idea is, so many times when we're so worried about how everyone else is acting versus the log in our own eye, we're taking pearls, we're taking what we value, and we are just shocked and dismayed when an unbelieving world doesn't value those same things. And Jesus is simply saying, that shouldn't surprise you. I mean, that really shouldn't surprise you when other people don't find valuable the things you find valuable. If they're not in that same relation, if they haven't been revealed the truth, of course they're not going to think it's value. So why do we waste so much time, energy, and effort being shocked and trying to force them, you know, you need to act the way God has made you and intended you to act. Well, if that person doesn't believe in God, you can say that all day long, and it's really not going to matter. It's not going to make a difference. And so when we try to do that, when we try to force um, what we consider as valuable on other people, um, essentially we are giving ground of the action matters, not the heart behind it. You know, I don't care if you have the heart. I just want you to do the action. Take this. We should be more concerned about the heart, about the heart. Um, and that's not the way to win people over. Um, focusing on the log in our own eye, walking with Jesus, that's what really brings transformation. And if it brings transformation in us, that's what will bring transformation in other people. Let's pray. Um, dear Heavenly Father, um, we thank you and we praise you <laughs> that through Jesus you've not brought judgment, you've not brought condemnation on us, Father but you've brought mercy and forgiveness. So Father, I just pray that we would be able to, as you've reconciled us, that we'd be able to be ministers of reconciliation to those around us. Uh, Father, I just pray that you would help us develop deeper relationships with those that you've placed in our lives, that we would allow others to speak truth into our lives um, as you've revealed it to them, that we wouldn't be so quick to shut off um, the words of others, Father, but we'd be more open um, to how you're moving around us. So, Father, I just pray that also uh, we wouldn't be so quick to speak, uh, Father, but you would help us listen and be patient. Uh, Father, help us deal with that, that log in our own eyes and quit trying to nitpick all the specks that we see around us. Um, Father, I just pray that you continue um, to, to build the relationships in this church, um, to build our relationship closer with you, Father, because that's what we really need. We just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.